0: Welcome to the Y-Invest podcast with me, Doug Barnett, Portfolio Manager at Waverton. In 1955, Lady Lothian founded the Women of the Year Lunch. Her aim was to host a lunch where women could be recognized and celebrated for their achievements, but also network with and learn from each other. Despite the naysayers, the lunch was a wild success, with 500 women attending. Wine forward nearly 70 years, and the Women of the Year Lunch is still going strong. Under the management, of my guest this week. Her name is Louise Fawn, and she is the current chair of the lunch and granddaughter of Lady Lodian. In this episode, we discuss her background, her career and her vision for the Women of the Year lunch. We also discuss her past guests including a very surprising story about Theresa May. We also talk about how she does the seating plan, which is no mean feat. For more information, about the lunch, head to their website at womenoftheyear.co.uk. That's a very good video from the Women of the Year lunch from 1972, which I have to admit has not aged well. Louise is a legend. I hope you enjoy this one. This is the Why Invest podcast. Louise Vaughan, welcome to the podcast. Louise, let's start with your background. Where did you grow up and how did you start your career? So I've had a
1: bit of a sort of mixed match career very lovely bucolic childhood in Suffolk. And I grew up on my dad's farm there, which was heaven. I just remember lots of long, hot, boring summer holidays, lots of sort of ponies and swimming in the river and that sort of life. And then I ended up going to university in Norwich. So didn't stray too far from home at what we jokingly refer to as the UEA. Did history art. <laughs> And then found myself unexpectedly, I I ended up working in the city for five years doing private client fund management, which I was absolutely terrible at for a variety of different reasons, but uh, it was really not my bag. And then from there, I went to help a friend out who was working with the West Indies cricket team. So what what was supposed to be a week turned into this amazing six-month adventure, traveling all across the Caribbean, having never been to a cricket match in my life. Falling madly in love with cricket, especially test match cricket and having to liaise with all the different islands and deal with the political infighting that still seems to be going on out there. So I'm a a massive cricket fan and definitely my heart lies Mm -hmm. with the Windies after mm-hmm. that but it was when they were sort of really not in their heyday and they've been clobbered by England and it was a it was a terrible time to be a white English girl working for the Windies but I made some really good mates and lived in Trinidad and Barbados and all, and all over the place so it was really good fun but exhausting.
0: And then um, what brought you back home?
1: Well this sort of I think I was completely broken by the whole experience because it was unbelievably hard work so I came back and I hooked up with a friend of mine who I've been at uni with, and he'd been an estate agent for Young's. And he said, why don't we set up a relocation business? So the plan was to use my contacts from the city and the world of sports, the weird and wonderful world of sports marketing. And he would use his sort of estate agency contacts. The best piece of advice we were given was to be flexible and We realized we were terrible at relocation because we were absolutely useless at the nitty gritty and the finer details. So we pivoted and became buying agents. And, chance we were actually quite good at that because I think we're both friendly people and we really got to know our clients well. So we built up a nice solid reputation doing that. So we now buy and sell for high net worth and ultra high net worth individuals. Mainly based in London, and we've been going for nearly 20 years.
0: And so, Louise, that's your your day job, but we're here really to talk about the Women of the Year lunch. I wonder if we can start by introducing it and maybe doing the sort of potted history of the Women of the Year.
1: So, the Women of the Year lunch takes place every year in October, and it's a lunch celebration of all the great and brilliant women in the UK. And you get women from all walks of life. So, you might be sitting next to an astronaut, or you might be sitting next to a shepherdess or a policewoman. And we really, really try and make sure that every single industry and sector that you can think of is covered. And our main emphasis, as there are so many other awards that go on, is that we really try and celebrate extraordinary, ordinary women who you would never hear of normally. And and we get to shine a light on them. And we've got the lunch this year and it's our 69th. So we're nearly 70 years strong. So we like to say that we're the oldest networking event in the world because really that's the key for our lunch is that you have this incredible mix of women all in the room together and lifelong friendships are formed and you don't know who you're going to sit next to. And it's very good in that we try and keep it free. So there's no economic barrier to entry. So we really can invite people from all walks of life. We have a little sinking fund so that we can help people with travel expenses so for example last year it was brilliant we got the British women's curling team and they flew down from Aberdeen and they oh, wouldn't have awesome. come if they'd had to pay but they were so cool and they came with their gold medals and they were the only British team to win a gold in the Winter Olympics and every person you can think of was posing for a photo with their gold medal from high court judges to Claire Balding who you'd think might be mm-hmm. Not overwhelmed and impressed by them, but it was such good sort of fun party mm. atmosphere.
0: And um, let's go back. You say you know you're celebrating sixty nine years, so you were you were born in in nineteen fifty five. Not you were born. Sorry, the Women of the year's <laughs> lunch was born. Like sorry, very important differentiation. <laughs> it was founded by your your great grandmother, Lady Lytian. What was the purpose back then in the nineteen fifties?
1: She was my grandmother. She was a journalist on the Daily Express and she had a weekly column there. And she'd always worked. She was brilliant and bright and sort of charismatic. And her husband was a politician, so he worked for Alec Douglas Hume and sort of served in his government. Anyway, she thought, and I think quite rightly, that there were these awful clubs in St. James's that were men only. And these men were meeting up. No women were allowed. And all these deals were being done, which were locking women out. And then obviously that rolled on to people sort of doing deals on the golf course or doing deals when they were shooting. So she was absolutely convinced that if she could put together a group of women just one lunch a year, mm-hmm. then they could start to sort of support each other and see what really mattered to each other and just keep it women only. Anyway, she was completely shouted down. I was like, God, you're not even going to find 20 women who are going to want to have lunch with you. Actually, I think the first lunch was 200. Now we're between 400 and 450 at the lunch. And she was absolutely right. And it took off immediately. In those days, you had to pay to attend. And it was a fundraiser. And it was always held at the Savoy. So it felt like a really wonderful sort of grand occasion. And that's really where it started from. And she would have three speakers who would stand up. She was sort of nearly always one of them. So I suspect there was a bit of ego involved. (laughs) But she would come up with a theme and get three speakers to speak on it. And the last speaker was always someone funny. So from the many, many years from which I've been going, I mean, she had everyone from Victoria Wood, Kathy Lett, just brilliant, funny women, but also brilliant, intelligent, sort of grounding women like Helena Kennedy. I remember she spoke at one in the 80s when she was just emerging as a sort of rising star of the human rights sort of barrister profession. What she was brilliant at was spotting people at the beginning of their professions, which meant that they opened lots of doors for her as they went up. And then they would recommend women who they thought would benefit or should be attending the lunch. So that's really the kind of nutshell of where we've come from.
0: It sounds like you carry quite a lot of that on. Tell me about some of your highlights. Who have been the sort of the rock stars in the last few years?
1: The rock stars, we had a very unlikely duo on the stage in the form of Tina Turner and Margaret Thatcher. (laughs) And um, they were equally delighted to meet the other and incredibly sort of polite and respectful to each other. Maureen is a great supporter of the lunch and she has been for ages. Quite often she'll just leap on the stage and just deliver something off the cuff, which is hilarious. We've had Theresa May, obviously. So she came to the lunch she'd accepted because she was home minister and then became prime minister so we're expecting her to bail and we'd asked her to present an award to the women who were the mothers of the Hillsborough tragedy Mm -hmm. and unbeknownst to nearly everybody in the room she'd been absolutely key in getting that verdict overturned to manslaughter so she said I definitely want to come to the lunch I can't sit through the whole thing if you can move their award to the beginning, I'll come in and present and then sneak off. Anyway, she appeared on the stage and these incredible ladies from Liverpool all burst into tears when they saw her and were hugging her, which floored all the other people in the room who were probably a lot more left-wing than she was used to in an audience. Anyway, it transpired that she had been really instrumental in getting this, this overturned. And also she'd been up to visit them once a month regularly with presents from their family and just said you keep pushing and I will push from behind but if I lead from the front this is never going to work so that was rather sort of inspiring in that mm. you just never know what goes on and actually if she managed to capture the spirit of goodwill in that room it would be like lightning in a bottle and uh, I think she may have had a fairly easy ride in her premiership but we I think all of us saw a different side turn it was it was an amazing moment in, in our history.
0: Amazing. And I suppose, I mean, because it's been going for such a long time and yeah. because, you know, the challenges facing women today are somewhat different to the challenges facing women in the 1950s, I wonder how you've adapted and how have you moved with the times or has there been a kind of consistent sort of thread throughout your sort of near 70 years in operating?
1: Well, we've always tried... Again, to...
0: not you personally, sorry.
1: Yeah, I'm <laughs> t- getting older and older. I'm painting you out uh, to
0: be a 90-year-old, sort of
1: sorry. I'll probably look yeah. at it in a minute. Yeah. But um, I think we've always tried to be apolitical, and that's really key. And we've also really tried to be very inclusive and not bang our drum about our exclusivity. So... What we did about 10 years ago is we set up this award scheme. So we would give out five awards on the day. And what this has helped us to do is bring in lovely big corporations who sponsor the awards and they give us money for it. And that means the lunch is free. So from then on, there's been no economic barrier to anyone attending. And then what's more, one of our sponsors was very keen that we should invite trans women to the lunch. and actually. We have been since the 1970s. There's no dividing line between them. And I think that's really key that we maintain this loving and friendly atmosphere. We are being challenged about why we don't have men in the room. And I think that is something we'll have to address. But at the moment, it's such a brilliant, safe, women-only space that I think we still do. Conversations come out at various Tables at the lunch, which absolutely these women wouldn't have had the guts to say what's happened, and it might be some awful horror story and about an abusive relationship that you'd had in your past. And this would be a very, very famous, preeminent surgeon who's then talking about this. And I still feel that they might not have the courage, or they might not be comfortable saying this if there were men at their table. So at the moment, I'm going to hold on, and I think it's going to have to stay as a women-only event, but we are planning on possibly doing events, more events in the year to increase networking opportunities, but also so that we can get men involved. Because I'm really, really conscious that when these lovely big companies say that they'll support us, more often than not, this has been led from the front by a man who is helping get it over the line at board level. And so I really think that they should feel that they're a part and see actually what sort of women are coming to these things.
0: Yeah, I see. And so I suppose that leads us really neatly on to the next question, which is what does the future hold for Women of the Year? And what, what would you like to see in the next sort of five years or ten years? And what's the vision, Louise? The
1: vision? Well, I think... Um, keep going. I, I think keep going. I think if my, so my grandma's called Tony Lothian, her personal yeah. name is Antonella. Mm-hmm. Everyone always thinks it was founded by a man. This lovely Tony Lothian came up yeah. with the idea. I think if she knew that it was still going and it's sort of almost 70th year, she would be horrified that there was still a need for it. Also, I suspect incredibly proud that an idea that she came up with has still got legs. I think we need to stay relevant. And I think that's key. And we've got a really great team on a management committee who come up there like the factory of ideas all ranges of ages and i think we're trying to the focus is to try and get younger women invested Mm -hmm. in the lunch because i'm sure you you can appreciate from your industry and i think from personal experience a lot of women i know they're not really hitting their strides in the workplace till their 50s because they may have had a a chunk Mm -hmm. of time out to have their families and then they're going back in and i think what we would like to do is get more younger women in the room we must remain apolitical, I think. We had Therese Coffee came and presented an award last year because she was the health Minister. And it was such a marmite occasion because I had a barrel load of complaints that she was there, but also everyone was posing for selfies with her. So it was that weird, weird sort of juxtaposition of worlds mm. colliding. So I think we've agreed that we're not going to have politicians on the stage. But it's good for them to be in the room because they really might be next to, for example, we had Mae Parsons last year and she delivered the first ever COVID vaccine in wow. the world. And she was so brilliant. And then because of that, she went to Windsor Castle and accepted the George Cross for the NHS on behalf of the Queen. So I plunked her next to a politician and they were so sort of impressed by her she wasn't impressed by them at all they were so impressed by her they ended up going to visit her at her hospital in coventry and Mm -hmm. seeing you know at grassroots level what is going on and what is going wrong with the nhs Mm -hmm. so my dream would be for the lunch to carry on and these connections to still being forged and fizzing away i think that's really what it's all about and also Mm -hmm. you know it's got to be fun Mm -hmm. not have too many sort of Heartbreaking stories on the stage. So everyone leaves feeling crushed and despondent, thinking I'm not worthy or I haven't done anything with my life. Or look at this girl who's 12 and she's just invented X, Y, and Z. You know, Mm. it's got to be inspiring and it's got to be a way to unite for the common good, I think.
0: Working out the seating plan must be almost impossible. How on earth do you do that?
1: Oh my God. 14 hours last year, I timed it because when people nominate, They give the contact details, the sector, industry sector that this person works in, and then a two-line reason why they should come to the lunch this year. And there's an amazing panel of women who go through all the nominations. It's incredibly good fun because it's like being God. And someone's name will come up and they'll say, high court judge. Well, I mean, she's just doing her job. No. So they're out. Even though you just think, oh, my God, she's a high court judge. Or an amazing actress. Oh, she was Oscar nominated, but she didn't win out (laughs) and it's sort of you know it's it's really ruthless but it's right because we want a turnover of new women each year and we also want women at the top of their game that year so the seating plan turns into this nightmare of trying to get such a good fun balance at each table so you don't have a group of celebrities on one table or you don't just have some corporate women on another you want to try and mix everything up but also you're trying to work out a common theme which you might know about each woman. And then you've got to hope that they can work it out together. It is good fun. And sometimes it works. And sometimes it seriously goes wrong. And there's a bionic blow up at a table. Ooh, God. And then we have table hosts who really know the lunch well at each table. And it's up to them to try and you know, make their table go with a swing, but also to try and navigate any rounds.
0: And Louise' final question, and then I ask this to all my guests, What advice would you give to, and I think we should probably focus on young women entering the workplace at the moment. What advice would you give to them? What skills do they need to equip themselves
1: to be Um, successful?
0: I mean, can you draw out any kind of common themes?
1: I think that as you move up your career, you should always leave the ladder down those coming behind, it's a pretty obvious one. But my other thing is I've really learned how not to take people at face value. And everyone's got a hidden depth. So just be really, really careful about how you treat people on your way up because you never know when they're going to go whizzing past you. For example, we sent out Save the Dates to senior women in their FTSE 100 companies. And it was so surprising who bothered to email back from their personal email address, either to say they couldn't come or to say they'd save the date if they could, whatever. It wasn't a definite acceptance, but it was incredibly impressive. I remember Tessa Jowell. You know, when she was at the top of her game, you'd always get an email back from her saying "Regards, Tessa." And I just thought God, that is someone who's really good at just keeping the door open for whoever else is coming through. And I really think that if if more people did that, it's a really good life lesson, actually
0: leave the ladder down and explore hidden depths. I like it, Louise Vaughan. Thank you for joining me.
1: Thanks very much. It's been great. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to the Y Invest Podcast with me, Doug Barnett, Portfolio Manager at Waverton, and our guest this week, Louise Vaughan. If you've enjoyed this episode, or indeed the series, why not like us, subscribe to us, and let your friends and colleagues know. The information provided during this podcast does not constitute investment advice and should not be relied on as such. It should not be considered a solicitation to buy or an offer to sell a security.